0: Everybody to another edition of Goal Own Goal. Joining me, as always, the man I frequently refer to as the Own Goal himself, the great yes, and good indeed. man in the lake, Roger Mitchell. Rog, hello, my friend. How the bloody hell are
1: you? I'm good. Uh, nice to see you. It's been a shit day, Grant. You know, like uh, oh, really? I'm going to have a yeah, yeah, I'm going to have a bit of a moan. I mean, does anybody do their job well these days? You know, is that uh... too much of a boomer thing to say? But I mean, <laughs> fuck's sake fuck's sake i mean like i think this world of easy capital has brought up a whole generation of chancers and now that it's getting tough they're all flailing around and anyway maybe it's just a bad day but jesus there's some stuff out there unbelievable
0: Well, come on, naming no names—you got to—you got to give us at least a hint of. No, it's not even sport. It's not
1: even sport. It's not even sport. It's nothing to do with sport. It's nothing to do with the industry. It's just, you know, the general uh, grind of getting through the 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 hassles of life. Just nobody did the. um,
0: Did the millennial not show up to wash your Lamborghini this morning? Is that what (laughs) happened?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Something (laughs) like that.
0: You just can't get the staff, right, Honestly, honestly. But I tell staff. you what, I tell you what. You show him, mate. That'll be uh, that'll be fifteen euro. He'll never get back.
1: <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> Listen, but I'm going to try and change. I'm going to try and change my mood immediately. So I'm going to I'm going to play. I'm going to play this right. Um, you saw the Super Bowl, I guess.
0: I did. I, I sat and watched it with my dad. It was just, it was great. My dad had never seen a, a, a Super Bowl before. He'd never seen an American football game before. And so uh, we we sat and watched it. And I was explaining the rules to him. Um, which I have to say uh, are really quite simple. There's a few little nuances, you know, like certain offsides, but the, the premise is actually quite simple. And we sat there, and, and he and my stepmom were sitting on the couch behind me, and I was sitting in a chair in front of them, facing the TV. Uh, and every time something would happen, I would kind of lean over and explain to my dad what had happened. And gradually, those explanations got fewer and farther between because it was, you know, everything had happened before. And they got so few and far between that I turned around, he was fast asleep, bless him. But he did. He did wake up. He did wake up in time for the end of the game and overtime, um, which I thought was good. I, it's, I haven't seen any reviews of it, whether people are saying it was boring because it was so low scoring. But I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game.
1: I, I obviously didn't. It's too late for me. But I saw the highlights yeah. and, and it looked it looked a good game. But uh, I saw this tweet, which I, I'm going to have to play for you. Um, this is a guy. He's, he's got a big following on Twitter. I don't know who he is. Um, here's the tweet. This is how I know American sports aren't serious. Can you imagine if Everton got relegated on the final day of the Premier League and Dora the fucking Explorer explained to you how they were heading into the championship? (laughs) Right, so that's going to catch your eye, isn't it? And on your timeline, that's going to... So, um, and then there's a little video. There's a little bit. So I'm going to try and play this through the microphone, right? So bear with me a second. And it's the Nickelodeon feed, obviously. Yes, I figured it it would be. (laughs) Wait a minute, hang on. No. Hold holding on is the way. illegal grabbing of a player who is not in possession
0: of the football in order to gain an advantage. Both offensive or defensive players can be called for holding. Say it with us. Players no holding.
1: Players, no holding. Players. Say it with yes. us. Players, yeah. no holding. Yeah.
0: Now, now, Rog, I, I am in a position to give you a little bit more color here, as, as luck would have it, because. Really? Uh, Dora the Explorer's heyday was when um, my eldest, Molly, now 32. Hello, Molly. I know you're not listening because you'd have no interest in what your old dad's doing. But uh, when she was young, Dora the Explorer was the show. And. That's right. Say it with me, no holding. My favorite character in Dora the Explorer was Swiper the Fox, Rog. And whenever Swiper the fox would show up to steal things, they would say, "Swiper, no swiping." So that's where this is coming from. And, and funny enough, as we were watching this, no, no, I I get it. As we were watching this, the I mean, this is a big game.
1: This is a big game, and like you're in you're in deep pain. And fucking Dora the Explorer, say it with me, holding, (laughs) holding. There's people going. I think.
0: I think, in fairness, Roger, nobody (laughs) taking the game seriously was watching the Nickelodeon feed, but they did show. Um, at one point, I, I, I noticed they they panned across, and there was a the, the Nickelodeon commentary box. They had a thing up in a gangway, an old box, and in there was uh, it was a, it was a it was a long distance shot, so there wasn't a close up. But you saw you know two of the regular guys with the blazers or whatever they were wearing and the headphones, and SpongeBob and Patrick the Starfish were in there as well. <laughs> so. Um, you know, it's it's all about match. engaging this new audience, Rog. That no, you, no, no, that no, no, you are so there's keen no on way. engaging the younger audience. I
1: don't I don't care what channel it's on, there's no way you can comment on Super Bowl when it's a a holding offense that could change the game and Dora the fucking Explorer It would be not me. Saying, <laughs> <with> <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> holding the <no>, hold <laughs> Jesus went. I mean serious <laughs> seriously. Let's stay on the same theme of the Super Bowl, and here okay. I want you to uh, here I want you to um tell me something you once told me before uh, uh, privately. Uh, So this is a tweet here, Um, nothing to see here, just Taylor Swift's guest, Ice Spice, the guy with the orange hair, I think, throwing up some demonic signs while wearing an upside down cross, making sure the world sees it on big screen, demons. This is the tweet and there's the video, right? And I obviously caught my attention as you would imagine it would. And then you go down, you go down a rabbit hole. There is a whole world of Taylor Swift as Satan, you know, like um, Zena Lively, Satanic baptism at the Black House uh, headquarters of Church of Satan in San Francisco was recorded and released as an album called the Satanic Mass. The Black House was demolished four hundred nine months later. Taylor Swift. Is 409 months old today versus the the 49ers, the four and the nine clearly, at another ritualised black house and they've got a photo of the stadium which is obviously black together with this old black house, the Church of um, Satan in San Francisco. Now, we know that this world exists, the Illuminati, the signs, the triangles and everything like that, but you once told me and I remember oh, asking, Where's this going? <laughs> you, you once told me at St, yeah, King's Cross Station or St Pancras or something like that, something about a golf course, and somebody told you a story about threes and something like that. You remember that story?
0: Oh yes,
1: tell it. I do. Yeah, tell it. I, now well, now no, no I, don't,
0: no, I I was, <laughs> I was, I was playing golf in Scotland with a dear friend of mine, who shall remain nameless. Uh, but we, we got into it, and he, he's, he's a wonderful guy, great company. Uh, he's a erratic golfer, we'll call him. Um, but he's great fun and and super, super smart. He's, he's way more smart than I will ever be. Uh, and he knows about every single conspiracy theory that there is out there. And uh, we, uh, there, there's a whole, I mean, and if you go down this rabbit hole, Rog, you really go down this rabbit hole, and the number is it 33 or 13? I think it's 33. Yeah, it's 33. 33, 33. If you if you start looking for this number 33, you, you know, you'll find it everywhere in every kind of suspicious potential Illuminati communication. You'll see the number 33 keep cropping up on me. And he spent um, he spent uh, a long time just sending me <laughs> all these links <laughs> to all these stories that had the number 33 in them, which was which was hilarious. But the funny part of the story, we, we, we had a conversation where he was trying to convince me that dinosaurs were a hoax and that they'd never existed. (laughs) And I had said to him, I had said to him uh, that it always made me laugh that these um, scientists, archaeologists would find, you know, a a three-inch long bone. (laughs) And then, you know, you'd say in the story in the Times saying, you know, scientists uncovered this three-inch long bone bone thought to be the, you know, the ankle bone of uh, this such and such a dinosaur. And here's an artist's rendition. <laughs> and they have this drawing, <laughs> this elaborate drawing that they'd piece <laughs> together from this one tiny bone. And it had, you know, wings or a beak or feathers or scales or whatever it was. And that, and that always struck me as hilarious. But this friend of mine, um, we'll call him Sid. Uh, he, um, he, he, so we had this, so we were sitting in the locker room having this conversation about about how dinosaurs is a hoax and they never really existed and the whole thing's a complete you know, spoof. And uh, I'm listening, and this this guy wanders past us in the locker, he's just come from the bathroom he's walking through the locker and go back to the restaurant. And he comes up and he puts his hand on my friend's shoulders and he looks at me and he says, This guy, and I'm expecting him to say, you yeah, oh, know, an absolute love of this. And he goes, <laughs> he gets it. He knows. There you he go. knows that there all. This and, and I was absolutely flabbergasted. And he walked away. And this guy here and after shall be referred to as Dinosaur Bob by me and Sid. And every time this comes up, he goes, <laughs> "You heard Dinosaur Bob? I'm telling you now."
1: So I'm, te- I'm telling you. If you want to go down the conspiracy
0: rabbit hole, they're all out there, mate. And I think I, I, I genuinely believe that Taylor Swift is a sign of the apocalypse. I've decided that that is absolutely true, Rog. That we you know, are about you know, to you know, enter. <laughs> the end of days
1: no, no, end of days indeed i mean if you if you do go down that rabbit hole with her and you know and and of course you can link it very nicely to the the super bowl ads where you had um, the washing of the feet did you see the washing of the feet you know i, I tell you what rog
0: i tell you what I, I, let me ask you as a religious man right and I, yeah. and I am not that but let me ask you i'm sitting watching that thing and, and before the super bowl started my dad and i've been talking about what it costs to run a Thirty-second commercial in the Super. I don't know what the numbers dollars. were this year, but right, seven million dollars. Seven million dollars. Seven million dollars for thirty seconds. So I saw, and I may have got up for a cup of tea or something at some point, but I remember seeing two "He Gets Us Jesus" adverts in there. And I'm thinking to myself, "Are you better off spending fourteen million dollars on those, or perhaps feeding the poor and you know building a shelter somewhere or something?" Right? I, I just don't yeah. get it. And then, and then we saw. Um, One one section, one quarter of the game, I suppose, was sponsored by Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes and they showed a trailer for this movie which would have been at least a minute long. So let's call that $14 million, right? And the movie comes out in May. And I'm thinking, what bang for your buck are you getting telling people about a movie that's coming out three months hence... That they're going to forget about and then you're going to come out with a big publicity blitz anyway. I, and the whole thing makes zero sense to me. I just don't understand what you're getting out of that money. And there was another advert for another movie that was coming out in, in uh, I think it was July. My dad and I saw another movie coming out in July. So what are you spending $7 million about a movie that no one's going to remember for five months and then you're going to remind us about it anyway? Yeah, so yes, yeah, Jesus washing feet and spending money on Super Bowl ads that you could have put to...
1: Good well, use I mean, community. but if you, if you do have uh, if you do have the the box of uh, Taylor Swift with all the the satanic uh, signs and the upside down cross, you've got to balance that out. You know, like you That's just can't let that fly. <laughs> you know, like we're at the end of days. This is the but this is the big battle. So like that is fourteen million well spent for me because this is where this is the last round, round fifteen. Ding ding.
0: Well, Rogers, you, you do realize that Usher is actually an anagram of Roushua, who was a 13th century medieval uh, demonic figure. I mean, you realize that, obviously,
1: right? Well, I did read something about that. I didn't get that far down, but I'll take your word for totally it if you're that not up. Having me on. I, totally <laughs> I, <totally laughs> I made that thought up. you would have. I, I thought I you would have. <laughs> No, but I'm telling you, there's all kinds of stuff there. And, um, but I thought that one was a good one. But it, it was, it was, um, it was a good event. It was a good event. What, what we should get onto the show, should we not? Actually, at this well, point, we probably should. What have you got? We probably should. What have you got for me for this week? Uh, I've got a few things.
0: Roger. I, 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 I want to Let's start with a goal because I, I've got a couple of own goals which are just too painful for me to even go into. But we'll, we'll we'll get to those in a bit. But let's start with a goal, and that is our boy Luke Littler. Um, you know, this 16-year-old, actually I think he's turned 17 now, uh, bless him. Still not old enough to drink, but um, but he's 17. And, you know, we, we talked about his progression to the final of the World Darts Championship at, at Christmas time, what a what a joyous thing it was. Not just because to see it, the 16-year-old kid just completely fearless on the biggest stage in the sport, just, just do wonderful things. Obviously the crowd is a big part of that, the atmosphere there is just second to none. Um, but how many times have we seen these you know, childhood phenomenons, have this moment in the sun, Emma Raducanu being a perfect example, right? And then just crumble and, and vanish into nowhere. Luke Littler does this, gets his place on the world darts circuit, the Premier League, or whatever it's called, this new circuit they've got going around. You know, he's, he's won a tournament in Bahrain. He's got to the finals, I think, in just about all the others. And I think today he threw his second nine-dart finish um, of the last, what, two months during this this thing. So to see this kid, uh, you know, 17 now, performing at this level is just, it, it's everything that's good about sport. To see someone who's truly talented, not overawed by an occasion, doing amazing things and obviously loving every single minute of it. So that, I think, is an unequivocal goal for me.
1: Good, good. I must admit, I haven't been following the darts since it was, you know on the timeline the It's like Challenge. curling, it's right? It's top. like curling.
0: Every four years, uh, curling's my favourite sport.
1: Well, we shouldn't say that because as, as we had the, the guest, uh, Matt, uh, on talking about how they're trying to make it a 360-day event. but the, the I reality would love that. Is that.
0: I just need to be reminded really more into- often.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, that was good. And I also saw, um, did you see on the same theme, the, the, the son of um, one of the snooker players, I can't remember who it was, uh, about ten or something like that, playing an exhibition match with uh, Stephen Hendry and uh, Dennis Taylor. You know, it's just one of these working men's clubs, and he's a young lad. He can hardly get up to the queue of the t- you know, the table right. and everything like that. And he clears the colours. I mean, like it was really difficult, and <laughs> it was just, it was just. And like, you see Dennis Taylor, who likes a good lad, and he's just so happy for him and everything like that. It was just beautiful. We've got to encourage the youth into these sports. Keep them healthy. Get them out there. Keep them healthy. <laughs> Get some exercise. Get some exercise. Get some exercise. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to come back at a real sport now, and this this so this will allow you to knock yourself out whatever way you want to go with this. Um, you did send me something, but I saw more complete threads around, around the golf at the... No, where, this is going to be one we, of my own
0: goals, yeah. The Waste Management waste Open. Management. Away, away, <laughs> the Wasted Management <laughs> Open. Go on, away you go.
1: <laughs> no, for those that haven't seen it, there's a thread of about 10 tweets of this most <laughs> appalling debauchery of fans around the golf course. <laughs> fighting with each other you know, uh, rolling down the mud and doing that massive bro thing and shouting and, like, cans on the head and uh, the players getting angry and just... Don't forget the snow angel
0: in the bunker, Rog. Don't forget
1: the snow angel in the bunker. That was a beauty. Baby, come on, Grant, what is going on? This is meant to be the sport of gentlemen, the sport that's in control, the last bastion of gentlemanly behaviour, the concession. What's happened to this sport, Grant? It's gone to pieces in 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, look, I watched that, and it's just, it's so depressing to me, Roger, and I have to say, this was, when we first talked about Liv and how they were trying to repackage golf for this you know, younger generation to get them interested in golf. I remember saying to you, this is what's going to happen. This is where this is going to go. They're going to go down the bro culture. We're going to make it, you know, learn all about the music and then make it an event and all this sort of stuff. This was always going to happen. And that Waste Management Open, it began with this 16th hole, which is a par three, and they made it into a stadium, made it into an event. So they put seat bleachers all the way around it. And it became a thing because it's a, it's a par three, there are pins on that hole that you can put the flag in that will increase the chance of a hole-in-one just because of the slopes that feed into where the hole is. And they have, you know, Tiger famously got a hole-in-one there very early in his career. I think it was his first year on tour. And the place went nuts. And, you know, Tiger back then was was a jock athlete. He wasn't a golfer. And, you know, he was pumping his hands like this and getting the crowd yeah. going and everyone was throwing their cups. And it, that kind of got this thing going. And the, and the, the, the tournament have obviously try to make this hole uh, an event hole and we'll make it all about the sixteenth hole and you wanna you want to be a part of it and we'll you know we'll fill the bleachers early and once you're in there you can't get in and there's a queue to get in and we can you know make it a big thing. And we can encourage people at that hole and that hole only to create an atmosphere, right? And the players bought into it. The players, you know, went along with it and it became a big thing. Um this tournament is always Super Bowl week. So it always ends you know on Super Bowl weekend. So um they 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 jive with that and they get you know the the buzz from the Super Bowl and, and it just became a thing. And this is obviously this was one of Liv's big selling points. So we're gonna make it all about the entertainment and the golf is really ancillary. It's all about the experience, Rog. The experience and let's let's bring in the younger crowd and let's you know let's let's uh, make golf more youthful and more cool and more trendy. Fast forward. <laughs> 18 months, two <laughs> years, and look what happens. And, but, but, Roger, this was call, so predictable. Grant. It was so yeah. predictable this was going to happen, right? Because you, this is what you're asking for. You are asking for a crowd that are there to drink and party. And if you say, we want two things, we want a younger audience and we want them to want to booze and party and create a good atmosphere, hello. What do you think is going to happen? What, it, what, exactly what was always going to happen, happened yesterday. So, well, it happened all weekend, in fact. So, what's going to be interesting now is what happens. I, I saw something that said already the PGA Tour are thinking of cancelling that event um, next year. <laughs> yeah. No, no, look, but Raj, but listen, think about what you said at the beginning of the story. It's absolutely right. If you need to protect what golf is, Right. And maybe they're realizing that too late. You are trying to protect what it is. There are plenty of sports you can go and drink. The darts, right? Look at the darts. The darts is all yeah. about boozing. It's all about boozing, yeah. right? But the crowds <laughs> don't man. get out of control. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, but it's a great event. People go there for that. And they yeah. found a way, the organizers, to, to have the two coexist. And there's constant noise. And, you know, it's not quiet when the darts players are throwing, it quietens down. But it's still a raucous event, and that's fine. And um, you know, this is what Liv has tried. To do. I don't know if you saw this. there was another clip of John Ram, uh, his first or second competition on the Live tour, which was in Vegas, Super Bowl week, of course, right? Um, you know, getting really angry with someone in the crowd that was just yapping so away up. while he was trying to swing, and his phone was ringing. Yeah. If if you if you want to dance with the devil, back to satanic imagery again. Um, this is what's going to happen. So I would be, I would be surprised if the PGA Tour didn't actually cancel that or massively de-emphasize this waste management Open, this Phoenix thing. I'd be amazed if it was the same next year. I just, I just don't see that that's an
1: option. But so why is, is, is Phoenix the problem? Can it not be the same in any other city, just as bad?
0: No, no, but 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 what's happened in Phoenix is because of that hole and because of the stadium thing. It was an experiment, like in in live they're at they experimented with these party holes where they make a they, the music's going okay. constantly and it's all a bit. So this the Phoenix the waste management has had this hole for some time now, and it's been promoted as this rowdy experience. And when people get hole in ones, the whole place goes crazy and they all throw yeah. their beer things on the floor and it's really funny yeah. and blah 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 blah. But of course, no one stops when you when you're encouraging excess. Nobody stops at their own. Volition, right? Just, but can you not just say
1: de-emphasize the sixteenth? It seems a bit harsh from coming to you to just take out the whole event. Just I, no, like I, 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 I don't 16th. know.
0: I just I saw something saying that Jay Monahan was thinking of taking it off the two this is a long-standing <laughs> event, a long-standing event. But Raj, how do you how do you stop this? Right, you can't. You can't just kind of ease it back and say, "Well, we're still going to do it," but. We're going to restrict alcohol. So you've either got to go, right, now. we're done with this shit.
1: We need to is, if the problem breathing. is alcohol, if the problem is bro culture having a, a, a invaded the, the golf sanctuary, that's going to be the same everywhere. It's not just going to be a Phoenix I thing. disagree. If, I disagree. You, you think it's going to be disagree. fine everywhere else?
0: Well, because really? everywhere else hasn't encouraged this, Rog. There's no other stop Phoenix on the tour. Phoenix has, right. There's no other stop on the tour right. where they've said, come to this event and get shit-faced and make a load of noise and have fun. No one else has said that. You're not going to see that at the Genesis next week at Riviera in LA. You're not going to see it at the Majors. You're not going to see it at Bay Hill. You're not going to see it at the Memorial. Phoenix has gone out and actively encouraged this behaviour. Okay. So, no, you won't see it everywhere else. Um, But, I mean, it's just, uh, look, it's everything I hate. It's everything I hate about what's happening with golf. It's everything I hate about what's happening with society. And, you know, Roger, it's this pendulum thing again, right? It's this pendulum thing again. Yeah, and yeah. It, you may well find that this, what happened at the weekend in Phoenix, is the pendulum in golf, certainly in the establishment golf, saying, you know what, let them do that. We we can see where this is going, and this, this is where Liv is going to go. We're going back the other way. We are going to make this about tradition. We're going to make this about values and class and all those things, all the timeless values. We're going to go back that way, and we're going to emphasize those because... If we go too far with in that direction, what's the downside? We make it too classy and have too many values, right? There's no downside well, if to de- re-emphasising. If,
1: if, if I was a nasty debater, I would say, yeah, you can go all the way back to not letting blacks and Jews play. You can go all the way back to that as well.
0: But that's not that's as not that's go- not the same arc of that pendulum, is it? I'm, I'm, talking, I'm it not is. talking about exclusion. No, I'm talking. I'm not talking about exclusion. I'm talking about class and tradition, right? And and respect and those kind of things. The, the pendulum doesn't go. If, if, if your pendulum is class, bro culture, class doesn't, its its apogee isn't racism and exclusionism and segregation. Well, what, what I'm the saying is the, the, the whole I, I the know, whole I take your point. I do take your point. I do take your point.
1: It's a very difficult but, situation. I may think about that, actually, because... You know, it's all about segmented marketing and audiences and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'll, I'll yeah, keep let that live, for Sunday, let, maybe. It. let live, let that live have Sunday.
0: that. Let live have the bro culture. If I'm the PGA Tour, I go, you know what? We've seen what it is. That's not us. Away you go, live. Knock yourselves out. Have a party hold at every stadium because that will happen.
1: Yeah, but you, that was, only, very beauty, the the was very entertaining. The beauty
0: of live is... Grant. The beauty for live is... No buggers watching it. So it doesn't see it, right? <laughs> There's no audience on the CW. There's only 27,000 people watching it on YouTube. So it doesn't matter. Where you go, knock well, out. Well, you
1: see, you see, again, again, this is we've said this before, but you sent me this and I had seen it already, which is about bro culture, isn't it? Bar Barstool. Barstool's all yeah, about bro is, culture. Yeah. You sent me this, so you continue on that because it's your it's your whatever you want to call it, goal on goal. It's a great story. Link it to, to it's a what terrific just been terrific story. Talking
0: about. It is a terrific story. And this is Dave Portnoy who I hate his shtick. I hate his shtick. I've always hated his shtick. I'd hated the Davy Day Trader Global stuff. You know, I think I think he did a lot of damage to a lot of people that he shouldn't have done. I, and I, not that I think he did it liberally. I don't think he realized what he was doing. It was just it was the wrong place. Wrong person with the wrong message at the wrong time, and he was sucking all these people into thinking how easy it was to make money in the stock markets at the very peak. So I think he cost a lot of people a lot of money. But, but I will say this: I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a businessman, right? As a as a as a thinker, as a as a visionary in terms of what he's done, because he's built, you know, this this extraordinary platform with with this bro culture that he's used. But the, the brilliance of this is that he, you know, he sold Barstool Sports, Barstool Sports to Penn a couple of years ago for $550 million. Um, and then the bro culture thing kind of started to fall away and it wasn't quite what Penn wanted to be associated with, right? There is a pattern emerging here and Penn sold him the business back for a dollar. Uh, so he took, he took the business back for a dollar and he's just signed a deal with DraftKings um, to promote their betting platform on Barstool Sports. Uh, I didn't see the numbers. Uh, I, I, don't I, think that,
1: I don't think there was another... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure they've released the they numbers. Said.
0: But I guarantee you, there will be big numbers. Um, and so, you yeah, know, what a fantastic round trip, right? It, it's the ultimate. Building a business, selling it for a load of money, buying it back for nothing and selling it again. Only a very few people get the chance to do that. So complete kudos to Dave Porton. I, I, my hat's off to him. Um, you know, I don't like the way he does what he does, but I respect and admire what he's done because it's not an easy thing to do.
1: And of course, th- this is a big story for the sector <clears throat> for, for a couple of reasons. You know, um Shout out to, um, to another podcast, the, uh, Richard Gillis's podcast. who did a great show about, you know, the the US um, betting market and everybody thinking it was going to be money for everybody, whereas in reality it's already almost closed out by the two main competitors, one of which is DraftKings. DraftKings. Yeah. I think the other one may be FanDuel, if anybody smarter than mm-hmm. me corrects me on that. I'm yeah, that's no, to, FanDuel. Right, so so here's Penn, who's not one of those two, who desperately trying to get into the market, do a deal with the cool kids at Barstool, um, then they don't like Barstool stick, as you call it, because they're a regulated industry and the regulators can take your licence away in a second. So they realise that they better just accept the sunk cost and get out of that deal and they just give uh, Barstool betting back to, to Portnoy. And what does Portnoy do? He goes to one of those two competitors. Isn't yeah. that the ultimate fuck you deal?
0: I say saying if, if there's I am I'm assuming it looks like there's clearly no non-compete in that, which is extraordinary to me, that they would sell it back to him for a dollar and not restrict what he could do with it. Maybe though he's just said to hell with it, I'll I'll run the, I'll roll the dice and I'll I'll take the legal battle on as and when it comes. I don't know. Or or DraftKings have underwritten him, because of all the money they're making with the betting. I don't know. But um But it is, Rog. I mean, like I said, it is, it is, it's exactly that, the ultimate. Um, And so, so kudos to him, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bold.
1: And then, you know, like it's, it's, it is a huge story for our industry, this because, you know, the ones that Penn have gone with now are ESPN and they've created with them the ESPN brand. And ESPN is an organization um, that has got its challenges uh, like all of the streamers, the broadcasters, and, and I won't go into this deeply because, you know, others do that better than us in goal on goal, but, you know, ESPN and, and the other two streamers all getting together and merging, you know, it's just all the same sign, Grant, that this industry, the media industry that has funded sport is absolutely bouncing off the walls and they're doing deals, you know, reversing, doing other deals, Uh, trying to get together to merge. It's a little bit like, you know, that story in the book where, you know, BSB and Sky uh, were merged uh, at the time of Margaret Thatcher to become BSkyB because they were both bleeding out. And and these streaming companies are bleeding out and they're seeing Netflix going ahead and they say, well, we better get together. Um, Bad, bad news for rights holders. That's a lot of competition for rights going out the window overnight. Good news for consumers. Um, but another sign that this industry, the sports industry, has got very rough times coming ahead, Grant.
0: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more, Rog. You know, and it's um this is the nature of the beast. This is this is we were all again, we were always going to end up here, right? They just ultimately the money it, the money's never been there to justify the valuations. So, you know, the thing that I guess doesn't surprise me, but it disappoints me a little is the fact that all these guys, they're all thinking about and getting big. And there doesn't seem to be as many people focusing on, okay, how do we take what we've got, look at it, and make sure we have a sustainable business, which might be smaller for the time being, but it's sustainable.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm. again, you know, it comes back to your audience. If you have, if the ultimate goal, which it seems to have been for everybody, is scale, if that is the altar that you want to sacrifice your business on, sooner or later, you're going to fail. And we're back to more satanic images now or something. I don't know what you've started here. But um, he exists. Sympathy with the devil. Within this massive audience <laughs> that you are trying <laughs> to get, within that, there is a core audience who are very sticky because they genuinely have an affinity and an affection with and for what you do. And the more you target a big audience, the more those people get lost in the multiple messages that you send out and the multiple approaches you take to gathering everybody in this one church. I may as well stick on the metaphor. Um, and and you lose this sticky audience. They, in the end, they go, you know what? This isn't what it was. And I would have been a subscriber to this platform forever, but it just it's just not what I want anymore. And so I'm gone. And good luck getting them back because they believed in it and it was something real to them. And they left as a last resort. They didn't get magpied somewhere else by some new shiny platform. He all oh, I'll try that. They left out of exasperation. So it's really tough to get those people back. And so, so many of these platforms, instead of sitting down and saying, okay, what is it we do? To your point, who is our audience? What's the product market fit? Not how big is the market? What's the TAM, right? Let's, let's forget TAM, because that's become such a focus now, because all that mattered was size and scale. Who are our audience and what do they want from us? And let's right-size the business, to be able to service that audience. And let's spend time delivering a great product to an audience that wants it and, and will pay for it. And then let's figure out the 7 billion people on the planet, those people that that audience is in every country on earth. We just have to find them. And so instead of just spraying stuff left and right and hoping to get anyone who comes in the door, let's work out and we have the data to do it now. What, what is it that makes our audience our audience? And then let's go and find them. Um, And I suspect that's where we're going to go back to. I hope so, because I think you end up with higher quality products. There'll be fewer of them, um, but there'll be higher quality. And I think that this this exchange of size for quality is is a really important one. When when we talk about this pendulum theory that we've been talking about in various different
1: fashions for such a long time now, this is another one from from size back to quality. And I think that's right i think i think that's right but it's not the way the world's going just now back to the very top of the show quality is very rare these days grant people uh-huh. seem to forgo about it haven't they um listen i'm going to lighten lighten the mood because um, everybody will everybody will enjoy this story i don't know whether it's a goal on goal i think it's a goal because i don't like this guy <laughs> Chris- <laughs> christian horner christian horner oh yeah yeah, yeah, is that yeah. <laughs> Yeah, You're already yeah. smiling, aren't you? You're already smiling, right? Nobody likes this guy. Um, and uh, Christian Horner is the head of Red Bull Formula One, very successful team. Uh, he's become a huge personality on the back of Drive to Survive. Where, um, let's say he doesn't manage to cover his unpleasantness with any fakeness, so that he, to be fair to him, he's he's uh, authentically a bit of a dick, um, and um if 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 the stories are correct that's exactly what he's been doing now he's now been suspended by Red Bull uh, under investigation for um what's classically called these days inappropriate behavior um towards a female or female members of the Scuderia of the team um you know, you have to be careful here. It's nothing's proved. Uh, uh, it's under investigation. He's suspended, so we won't go into any of the allegations around what he's actually been doing. But it's well, um, you can talk about the allegations,
0: all... right? Is there any allegations.
1: You <laughs> okay, can't say yeah, guilty he, of them. Some people say he's been allegedly. He's allegedly, sending <laughs> he's <laughs> allegedly been sending pictures um, the, to, to female uh, female employees. Uh, others say that he's been uh, used, I don't know how you define this anymore but he has been bullying bullying female female uh, employees um, and that that covers a, a multitude of sin these days but the, 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 the funny thing I find is that I think it's his team I think it's the Red Bull team that I've kind of like whatever he's been doing and it may be nothing it may be really serious we don't know but um, I don't think he's well liked, even in Red Bull. And I think the first chance they got, they have slammed him and it's, it's gone in. And, and you know, the funny thing about this, and like I say, I, I've never liked a guy. I never liked the way he treated those younger drivers when they weren't under per, uh, performing, And, you know, he smiled in the camera whilst he sacked them. I just never liked that disloyalty. Not to young men, you know, going at 300 kilometers an hour. It's, it's not right. Um, so I've never liked him. And and the other thing I never liked is how he and his wife play Lord and Lady of the Manor. You know, uh, uh, when you saw them back at their house, um, it's Jerry Halliwell. Let me tell it is. you, it is. Let me tell you, she is not Lady of the Manor. She, no matter how she she scrubs up now <laughs> these days, she is not fucking Grace Kelly. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, like so. <laughs> It's, it's um it's a couple that um let's say i have not got an awful lot of um sympathy that they're perhaps going into more troubled waters <laughs> but there okay. you go it's a big story for formula one
0: but <laughs> well, more ned kelly than grace kelly is what you're saying right i think uh
1: yes 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 See, i well, saw her yeah. when she was in the space girls yeah yeah. How old now, do you want me so, to be?
0: Someone told me that if, if you if you if you need to impersonate a Scotsman saying the spice girls, you have to call them the space gorillas. Is that right? Space uh, gorillas. No, it's not good. no, it's,
1: uh, it's it's space it's a space ghetto. Something
0: space like that, ghetto. I think. The space ghetto.
1: So, something like that. <laughs> something
0: like that. There is, is, there is a way of doing it. I need to look this up for next time. Um, yeah, no, you're, right, right, you're listen, right. It's a funny I will, one. I will. Well, uh, I will. I well, I've got another own goal, and this is. Uh, yeah, this is one we kind of have to be serious about, actually. And I, I sent this to you last week, and I, and I. I know you know I'm going to bring this up, and this was this. Um, this Newcastle United um, piece I sent you about the FSU, the Free Speech Union, on Twitter. And yeah, yeah, Free Speech yeah. Union on Twitter did, did an investigation into, and I'm going to bring this up now, um, into the fact that a, a, a diehard Newcastle United fan, a female who'd been going there for years and years and years to, to watch the games, had been banned from Newcastle United because she had uh, tweeted um, her belief that, and it would come back to the same debate, that In her opinion, her belief was that sex is real and that there is a male and a female. And, you know, whatever you decide to think is up to you. But my belief is that there are men and women and that's that. And the scary thing is here, Rog, that the Premier League apparently have a big office with a big department that, that trawl through tweets from football supporters. They went to Newcastle United... And flagged these tweets, and Newcastle United have basically banned her for three years from the stadium for these tweets. Um, and one can go down the route of the irony of the owners of Newcastle United, uh, you know, and their record with with uh, sexual orientation and human rights and all this kind of stuff. But this, you know, this is so sinister. And now we'll, we'll tweet the um, we'll tweet the report out. It's about a ten minute watch. And we'll tweet this out from the ayne um, Twitter handle because I think it's it's important. But um, it's extraordinary to me that that this this poor woman who's a you know died in the wool Newcastle fan, and now she you know she talks about how she can't even go into town on match days. She can't bring herself to go to the pub because she's just so gutted that she's not allowed in the ground. Um, for saying here's what I believe in, and it's not it's not racist, it's not sexist, it's a belief that billions of people all over the world hold. And, you know, who are the Premier League to decide what is appropriate for her to say? Who, who are Newcastle United to decide what's appropriate for her to say? You know, if, if she's in the ground uh, hurling abuse at people, uh, I can see how they might have the, the the right to eject her. I can totally see that. That's not what she did. And, you know, Roger, I um, uh, last year I had some dear, dear friends of mine Suggested I listen to a podcast called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. Did I, did I tell you about this? I can't remember if I did or not. I think I may have told you privately about it. And I, you know, I was I was um loosely aware that um that J.K. Rowling had had gotten herself into a lot of mess and had been cancelled, you know, for her views on um on transgender and the, the gender debate. And I didn't really Know much about it because I just can't be asked. The whole thing just—I'm just bored of it, to be honest with you. And I started listening to this. Um, I started listening to this podcast, and it—and it—it—it it shocked me to my core, Rog. I mean, it really did. And, and I would urge anybody listening to this to 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 find this podcast and listen to it. The witch trials of J.K. Rowling. Um, what had happened was a, a woman had been fired from her job. Because she had expressed a similar belief, I, you know, I believe that men are men and women are women, and you know, whatever else. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, abusive. And it's this is my belief. And she lost her job. And J.K. Rowling, who doesn't know this woman but just saw on the incident that she'd lost a job, tweeted, and she basically said, you know, in fact, hang on, let me let me pull this up. Let me pull this up because I think it's important to to read this. So J.K. Rowling, who didn't know this woman, decides to tweet in support with her. The the, the girl's name was Maya something. I can't remember her name, but Maya. But the the hashtag was I Stand With Maya. And J.K. Rowling said this. She said, uh, dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Question mark. I stand with Maya. Right? Very clear. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you do, but you can't fire people who hold that belief. The backlash begins, right? She follows that up and says, I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I don't believe it's hateful to say so. There is absolutely nothing unreasonable about either of those tweets, Nothing. Nothing at all. And when you listen to this podcast and you get an insight into the backlash that she faced, the hatred she faced, the abuse she faced for this, it's absolutely astounding to me, Rog. And, and you know, I, I think I come back to this pendulum idea that we've been talking about on the show for such a long time now. It feels finally as though this movement has kind of reached the point where it's eating itself and it's become so um over the top in its condemnation of people and its it's it's its own refusal of tolerance for people's beliefs that finally people are pushing back and saying right enough enough now i'm not going to just allow myself to be cowed by the mob and, and forced into, you know, not saying what I think because I'm entitled to those beliefs. And the sooner we get back to that, the better. So, you know, so to see this, to see the fact that the Premier League had this massive office with a whole bunch of people working in it who were spending their days searching for tweets that football fans
1: well, had well, written. Hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Grant. E- even if they've got an office of a 10,000 people, they can't do that. There must be some tech there that that, that is kind of doing that. It oh, must I'm sure. Be. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. That, does it, does the story for words. say that? Yeah. Okay. Listen. If anybody in the Premier League wants to help us understand that a little bit more, because you know uh, this is a story that's is it's, it's a it's a concerning one for a lot of people. And I'd, I'd just like to know something I don't know just now a little bit more about what what the Premier League are doing there, how they're doing it, uh, and and what kind of um, what kind of tech and and what kind of um, briefing they've given to the tech, what words they're using, everything like that. Because um, it seems a big story, this Grant. It seems a very big story.
0: I, I think so. I think so, Roger. I mean, look, it gets lost in the in the noise that we're surrounded with every day. It just gets lost, unfortunately. Um, and that's you know that's just the nature of things these days but you know, occasionally and if you get if you if the story emerges at the right point in the pendulum's arc then it does tend to sometimes gain some traction and my hope is that this one is happening at the right point in the arc and it does get some traction because i think it's um it is an important story as you say so we'll we'll kind of stick on that and see if we can um see if we can follow what happens from here
1: yeah um a tenuous link, but but a link nonetheless. You know, J.K. Rowling, Sharon Davis, you're getting into a little bit of... Um, yep,
0: she a similar problems. What, what,
1: yeah, they, they kind of like... Um, athletes and abuse and everything like that. Um, did you see the story about the enhanced games? Peter Thiel and a group of... Venture see, are fun. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Is. Isn't, that, isn't that So if anybody that doesn't know... This is basically a competition where are saying, let people take as many performance-enhancing drugs as they want. And uh, oh, that's the, the point of the polarisation. Some people are going way one way, like you've just described, and the other side of the pendulum is going the other one, and it's ripping apart in the middle, the squeeze middle, whatever you want to call it. But it allows me to tell a very funny story, Our, possibly one of the funniest things I've ever heard in an after-dinner speak speech. It was a sports event in Scotland, in Edinburgh, I remember it well. And um, the comedian after dinner, and you remember you're getting into that stage where people have had a drink. It's, you know, it's an important, it's a difficult time. In fact, I once saw another comedian in that moment after dinner, enough drinks had been, and he got the first two jokes, they fell flat. And this guy, for the remaining 45 minutes of his act, was utterly ignored. And I, I just, I felt so bad for the guy. He was poor, but he just got off to a bad start and it was a rough audience and he died. I mean, it was bad, just like really bad. But anyway, that's not the thing. So this this one that was funny, this guy that was funny, he says, uh, laconic delivery. You know, what's that J- D, what's that comedian D, Jack D? That kind of like- Oh, Jack yeah, D, yeah, yeah. Like, like, Yeah, so he says, um, you know, you guys are all in sport and sport these days, one of the challenges is that people are taking drugs and, you know, he gave two or three examples of the the drug stuff at the time. He says, you know what, you know, you guys can do what you want, but I give you a little bit of advice, he says. He says, I would let them take whatever they want to take and let's just see how fast these fuckers can really go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, house, the house came down <laughs> and here we are here we are fucking 25 years later peter teal and a group of venture capitalists the enhanced games that allows performance enhancing drugs comedians and artists they see things early man they always do you were saying it last week with a they always <laughs> 25 years early is a <laughs> they do so funny but- but but it, but, it, but it brings up a great point Rog.
0: and and again I think uh, th- this is not dissimilar to the live debate right because ultimately uh I guarantee you that if they put this enhanced games on stuck and TV very few people would watch it because they know it isn't real right it's just not real and I don't think it would get much reporting you know you might get you would get the fact that someone ran the 100 metres in nine point whatever seconds and smashed Usain Bolt's world record, right? No one would care because it's not real. But I don't think the the guy who extended the world javelin record by 20 metres is going to get any coverage because right? it it's not real. And, and, it, and, and this is why this, this, this idea of the importance of sport is that it's real. It's not the money. It's the competition and it's the fact that you're playing for something and you would play for that if there wasn't a penny involved. It's the reason why um, Nick Dunlap winning the pro tournament the other week as an amateur, right, is extraordinary because he played, he won, he couldn't take $1.2 million. He was playing because he wanted to win and he was securing his future on the PGA Tour. And, you know, sport. It, it, it's sometimes, you know, we you and I sit and talk about this stuff and, and, and we love it and it's important to us. But I sometimes fear that we overstate the importance of sport because at the end of the day, as, as Giles famously said in one of our early podcasts, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the least important thing that matters the most to us. And it's so true because it doesn't matter at all and yet it matters so much. But it's nothing to do with the money. It's nothing to do with anything but this idea of real competition amongst people striving to be the best they can be. And if it becomes all about money, people lose interest. If we know they're all doped, you lose interest. There's an authenticity to this, this beautiful pastime, all these sports that you cannot fake and you cannot substitute with massive prize money. It just doesn't, it just doesn't matter to people enough. So, I, you know, I welcome all this stuff, Rog, because I think, again, you know, the, the enhanced games is another sign that we're at the end of the, uh, end of the pendulum. People are going, ah, screw it. We may as well just all dope. We may as well all dope. Great. Because, we've, you know, we've lost it now, so let's just do that. And the audience will go, yeah, I'm not going to watch. And they'll go, okay, well, how do we get back to something that people want to watch? And I'll tell you. Make it real, make it authentic, make it mean something to people. And that what it means can't be about the money.
1: Yeah, well, it's not also just about what you call the glory and what I often uh, fall back on is the glory. Um, a guy came to see me in Como. He lives in Stockholm. He's a venture capitalist. He's actually an Italian. Um, a Roma fan. He came to see me in Como to talk about VC early stage and the usual stuff. And um, we talked about that for five minutes <laughs> and then we spent the rest of the the rest of the hour and a half talking about AS Roma because he had seen the Mourinho article seen the Mourinho article and you know so he big, he's a season ticket holder he lives in Stockholm and he's a season ticket holder in Roma he only goes four or five times a year but it gives you an idea of his passion so we get, we get into this um this discussion about De Rossi who is now the manager you know Daniele De Rossi the ex great and um, you know, as I said in the article, I was saying look, I'm not sure about De Rossi. You know, I don't think he's got the managerial chops. I don't think he's bright enough. And then I said, um, and of course he's got the um, he's got the the rather um, shady past. What I mean by that is that, um, and this is all true. This is no you can look all this up. Daniel De Rossi married his first marriage was with a rather unfortunate woman, who um, I think she's in jail now uh for k- kidnapping and extortion um and she's um <laughs> italy
0: never you
1: know, disappoints you, <laughs> no you've no fucking idea you've no idea you know like this woman is heavily connected heavily connected with um you know uh gomorrah stuff you know like let's i mean like you can it's all in here you know like and and she she kidnapped this guy that she wanted money from and you know, uh, along the lines of, you know, like, uh, do you know how much it cost me to have you um, killed, whacked? And this poor guy who just, he was a, an entrepreneur in um, solar panels, that whole business there, normal, innocent bloke. She wanted something out of it. He refused, so she she kidnapped him, took him away to some warehouse, like Reservoir Dogs, and uh, she said, look, you know, the going rate is 10000 You know, I can pay an an Albanese guy to to 10,000 and you're gone. Anyway, this all came out and she's in jail. She's in jail. And like, so the funny bit of this story is the natural way that two people talking about Italian football can talk about this without any shock any shock whatsoever, you know, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, sure, 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 sure. And of course, when Daniel, Daniele De Rossi didn't leave Roma, uh, I think he was rumoured to be very close to Man City. I, I think it may have been because he was getting pressure. A little bit like Stevie Gerrard didn't go to Chelsea. He was getting pressure from, you know, those kinds of people in the hometown. Um, so this guy says to me, he says, um, of course, you know why Daniele De Rossi grows his beard? Why, Why he's got a beard now? And I said, no. He says, because he's been slashed, is to cover up the slash. And this guy's seen it with a straight face, right? And I said, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. I believe a lot of things in Italy. I have done for 30 years. You're telling me he's grown a beard because her family you know, put a razor across his cheek. He said, yeah, 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 I said, come on, come on. And then you think immediately to the American orders of Roma, Friedkin, and, and all that, and you think, you have got no idea, no idea the world you've got yourself involved with. And if you don't believe that, I, I ran into, somebody sent me this. This I didn't look this up. Somebody sent me The other side of Roma is, of course, Lazio. And there's this wonderful tweet about Paolo uh, di Canio, uh, when he was manager of Swindon. You know, it it, it, it is, it's a glorious tweet. Again, 10, 12 uh, uh, separate tweets uh, of the utter madness of Paolo di Cagno. I'll read this one out here. He took the lads who, let's say, were not um, welcoming his new methods already. Uh, he had joined and, and they had a pre-season tour. He took them to Italy. Uh, and straight away they were introduced to, I'm reading this now, four skinhead Lazio Ultras. Now, Lazio Ultras are serious, serious guys. You know, the Nazis salute serious guys. Uh, one, of, one of the Ultras would help Paolo Di Canio, uh, who would help Paolo Di had his uh, face, uh, Paolo's face tattooed on his arm, and he guarded Di Canio's house, while he was away in Swindon, this this guy was guarding Di Canio's house. Di Canio then threatened certain players, especially a certain ferry. I don't know who this guy is, Simon Ferry. I don't know. Saying, "If you eat ice cream, these men will have you." <laughs> One of, uh, wh- one of these men was a professional cage fighter. Di promptly gets out his iPad and goes to YouTube to this guy's fights where he's pounding some other guy in the ring saying quotes, yes, 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 look at him, no ice cream for you. <laughs> 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 this, is, this is football in Rome and you just think, what, you don't know what you got yourself into, man. Not, is- not a word of a lie.
0: Yeah it's 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 always interesting Raj to hear these tales of football. <laughs> oh my god it's you just this, a, every, this sort of stuff wouldn't happen at the cottage mate. Wouldn't happen at the cottage. No it definitely wouldn't. You're oh, right on now.
1: on the same theme it's a, on the same theme about craziness in football just a two or three little quick ones just to have a laugh. Um Harry Kane goes to Germany to win some medals. <laughs> what a a fucking loser (laughs) they've won for the last 12 years Harry goes (laughs) at this point you've got to say it's me isn't it it's me it's me I'm just
0: unlucky it's got to be you you, at this point you've got to to think so right (laughs) but at least he's got he's got uh, Eric Dyer who can translate for him
1: now. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I've got another one for you. Uh, fresh off, fresh off the presses, our old friend Berettini, the Italian player. Oh, who here we he go. A ball, He's back. He ditched our... He ditched her. <laughs> she's gone. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, she's out. So, yeah, yeah. Long Berettini now. He's undervalued at this price, tra- tra- trading at a discount. I think so is do, a so value bet now. Do you short Sinner against him? Do you get you know, short Sinner and long Berettini? No, 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 no. He wouldn't date Sata. He wouldn't date that girl. So Sinner's fine. It's her. She's the one. Whoever she's hanging out with, their career is over. <laughs>
0: Uh, there is a consistency about this woman, Roger. It has to be said. You were right.
1: Yeah, I was right. Um, the other one, which is not as funny, but um, in many ways sadder, uh, those poor people in Hong Kong that paid $700 oh to see Messi. <laughs> you tell this when Well, they saw him. They did see him. They, they saw, saw the back of the, his head on the bench. On the bench. The, on the bench. <laughs> and, and, of course, at the end, David Beckham, and um, it comes out and he says, you know, the, the crowd the crowd at this point are going crazy, booze all around. He tries to come out and placate them, saying I'm sorry, all this kind of stuff. He just got dog's abuse, dog's abuse. Yeah.
0: Which which is saying something, because Beckham is is universally liked. Like, for, for, for people to, to, to throw that sort of stuff at Beckham, they were not happy. They were not happy at all. And I, I can see that, Rog, you know. you You don't, you don't go to see Into Miami... For any other reason than to watch Messi play, right? Why else are you going to see into Miami? I mean, I think the, the, Suarez is playing yes, for right. him now, but who cares?
1: He's yeah, he's, but that's a serious point there because before the Hong Kong game, there was a game I think in Riyadh uh, that was set up as the, you know the last dance of the goats, Ronaldo right. against Messi and, Messi and Ronaldo. Neither of them played. Yeah, Can, yeah. I mean, like th- th- this isn't sustainable. This it's model not- is not sustainable.
0: It's not, yeah, you know. And um, you know, I, I coming back to this uh coming back to this uh, live thing, you know, I was reading a piece over the over the weekend that the you know these initial contracts were for four years, supposedly. I don't know if that's true or not. They were for four years. Um so you know, we're we're halfway through that now. And you have to wonder to yourself what happens when the DJs of the world, the Phil Mickelsons of the world, uh Kepka Bubba Watson, you know Bubba Watson and Phil have done nothing in in live. Particularly Phil, right? He's done nothing. He's been in the bottom three or four players every week, more or less, every tournament, more or less. W- what do they do in his contracts? Like, you think they're going to throw another couple hundred million bucks at him. I think not. You know, DJ probably gets paid. Brooks gets paid, but it's going to be really interesting once this first cycle goes around and they're renegotiating everybody's contracts. It's going to be really, really interesting, Roger. If the PGA Tour could hold on for those two years, right, until they have to go but around see, again and start signing people, it's going to be interesting.
1: I, I I, think, you know, like all of these stories we've talked about golf today, you've brought it back to live. And I understand that. why the, it's, it's an open wound. I understand that. No, no, it's but not a wound, the, Roger.
0: But, it, but it's, no, no, it's, 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 it's the, it, for me, it sim- symbolises the split in sport everywhere, the different splits, it symbolizes the the two different ways of doing things, which is one with money and one with tradition. And it symbolizes, you know, the polarization and all the things that we've talked about. Unfortunately, if there was another, look, if the Super League was happening, that would be just as big a, a, a lightning rod to, to throw everything against. So it's not, I'm not obsessed with it. I don't spend any time thinking about it. I'm just, I just find it such a useful barometer of all the, all the things that are Tearing every sport apart
1: yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, let's let's end with my goal of the week, which comes from our our common friend and ex guest on the show, Brent Johnson. oh yes. Uh, who's oh, said, yes. Who sent? Yeah, yeah. You, you're you're a basketball fan. You know Larry Bird much better than me. Why don't you yeah. tell the listeners what a beautiful thing Brent sent us?
0: Yeah, there's a, a compilation of clips of Larry Bird's grandson playing. Who I think he's seventeen. Um. It's it's just it's just truly truly extraordinary, and and it's you know this this clip emerging has brought up again you know the goat debate because uh, you know Bird Bird and Magic Johnson begat Michael Jordan, who begat Kobe Bryant, who begat LeBron James, and we'll see who who comes next. You know we've got we've got three or four guys now vying for kind of primacy in in the NBA, but um, of all those players, Bird was the most underrated and the most, uh, or the one that had least attention thrown on him. You know, Magic Johnson was very flashy and in LA in a big media town and, and in a team that was that was glitz and glamour and LA stardust and Jack Nicholson and Paula Abdul and all these celebrities that were there, Rob Lowe back in the day and James Woods and all these, it was a showbiz club and Magic was the, the, the circus, the ringmaster and he was extraordinary. And then Michael Jordan came along who was... Who to me is is the greatest of all time, and he he was just incredible. But against Johnson was Larry Bird, you know, this working class Boston Celtics team. Larry Bird, the, you know the Hick from French Lick, as he was known, this tiny little you know two stop sign sound in Indiana. Um, but this clip of his uh, of his grandson emerging has stirred up this debate again. And there was an incredible post from Michael Cooper, who was on that Laker team with Magic Johnson, and. Um, James Worthy and Kareem and Magic and Ac Green and Kurt Rambis and, and they had a phenomenal team. And Cooper posted this piece on Twitter. He said that you know the, the Lakers had gotten together not long ago for a, you know a reunion, and they all sat around and they could never have omitted it back when they were playing because the Lakers Celtics rivalry was just so intense. And in fact, there's a there's a terrific. ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about that rivalry, which I would urge everyone to watch. It's fantastic. And I, I lived and breathed that. I was a Lakers fan um, back in the in the 80s and, and loved those contests. And Cooper said, we would never be able to admit it when we were playing because they were arch rivals. But we all agreed that Bird is the best basketball player to ever play the game. He was just the best at everything. And he wasn't as flash as Magic Johnson. He wasn't the human highlight reel that like Michael Jordan was. But he was, if you take the all around game, he was the best at everything. And it's fascinating to to think of him through that lens because he was an all time great player, there's no doubt about it. And I kind of hope this debate goes on for longer, Rog, because it'll take a lot. It'll take a lot to dislodge Jordan, from my mind, as the greatest who ever played the game. Um, And I was lucky to see all of these guys play. Uh, Jordan to me is just. Just head and shoulders above everybody else. But I absolutely understand the case for Larry Bird when you when you look at his highlights and you look at what he did. Um it was it was great. but but his grandson, boy oh boy,
1: for seventeen years old, this kid is, gonna, the point be, is
0: it's gonna be the something. the point is
1: that Brent Brent is saying, you know, he's gonna be better. You know, and Brent yeah. knows his stuff. He, he knows does. his stuff. He does. Uh, and know, if this so is him at seventeen. Gee whiz. Whew. Gee whiz. Yeah. Look at No, that's a, that's a lovely way. Listen, before we go, just wanted to say um because uh, you always always do it to me. Uh that call on commercial property. Uh and oh, what's commercial break. since Europe. Yeah. yeah, Jesus, Grant. I mean, that is one of the all-time great calls. It's one not- of the all- for people that don't know, uh because Grant won't tell you, uh and, and this isn't a long list of calls like this Japan Uh, uh, you know uh, uh, all so basically says you know commercial property is 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 toast for a million reasons you know huge article basically two days later all the banks that have funded all these real estate developers at high leverage they all start toppling over and you've got all these (laughs) real estate people hand back the keys to these office blocks you know like uh, this this is a big big story, man, and it's absolutely it you yours. You, you're the king of this story, and, and everybody knows it.
0: Oh no no no! I I I got um. You know I I, I read a lot, so I I saw a lot of people writing about stuff who we were in that in that world. that gave me all the information I needed, but I just kind of put it, pulled it all together. But it's a big story, Rog. It's a big 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 story. Yes, and it's just it's yes. just getting started. It's just getting started. Yeah. But everywhere you look now, there are these. Office buildings that you know. If you think what happened to property during COVID, um, you know these, these these things are trading at seventy five percent of their you know two thousand and seventeen price. The last time they changed hands was twenty seventeen, and they're down seventy five percent on that. So what they're down from the peak when we had this boom in property prices? Who knows? But it's happening every day in every major city in America, and we've seen we've seen a, a bank in Japan. Take massive write downs on its U.S. commercial property holdings. The stock fell twenty percent the day. We've seen German banks similarly exposed to U.S. commercial property, and it's not. This is not a, a uniquely U.S. problem. Um, so this is uh, this is ju- the wheels on this thing have just started to turn, and it's and it's and it's going downhill. So <laughs> be interesting to see how and when they manage to stop the wheels.
1: Well, well, given it's a very similar dynamic, not not the same assets, well, not almost. It was residential back in the big short 2007 and eight, but you know, the, the story the storyline's the same. You know, uh, the banks take the losses, yeah, uh, you can't let it too, big, too big to fail. I mean, that's the way it's going, that's how I'm reading it.
0: It is, and the, and the problem here, of course, is that um, a lot of these loans are on the books of small and medium sized banks. In fact, I think it's on like 67% of all these commercial real estate loans lie on the books of the small, you know, not the too big to fail banks. So there will be banks that fail and they'll get swept up by JP Morgan, who'll Bank of America and Citibank will you know, buy the assets and close the banks down and swallow them up. So we're heading further in that direction. But of course, the difference between this and 2008, when it was households and mortgages, is these buildings are way, way uh, more expensive. It's not a you know $300,000 condo in Miami that's going under. It's a a yeah, multi million dollar block of office property or, or mixed use retail property, whatever it may be. And the 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 deeds and the and the contracts are way more complicated than a normal household mortgage. So this is gonna be um it's it's look, it's a story that people need to be aware of and pay attention to. Simple as that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I think that's us. We've um, we've covered the hour and a little bit, the usual we have. Uh, ramble we have. around the houses. We have, we have. I exactly hope everybody's right. enjoyed
0: uh, it. Exactly right. Well, listen, I always enjoy it and I know you always enjoy it and yeah. hopefully yeah. other people do, but hey, Rog, there's nothing we can do about that. If they don't enjoy it, they'll stop listening and we'll stop talking. Yeah. So hopefully, as you say, they do. And on that note, we do. Thank you for listening. It's uh, it's it's lovely to have you all join us, and the emails we get, and the stories that people share with us. So please keep doing that. We really appreciate it. If you don't follow us on social media, it's a very very easy thing to do. Just find us on Twitter at Entertained R. That's the word A R E. Um, you can follow me if you're not doing so already, uh, and you want to depress yourself at the state of the commercial property market at T T
1: M Y G H. And you can follow me if you want to know all about um, Ari Gold. At RPM Como, as in the lake.
0: As in the lake. By the way, Ray, another terrific article this week. If
1: anyone listening to this podcast does not follow Roger on Substack,
0: you are missing an absolute treat. His writing is just becoming better and better each week, and it's uh, it really is a treat to watch. So sign up for Roger's Substack.
1: I've got uh, I've if you haven't things already. just come in. I can't, I can't tell you it is. It's uh, somebody that works at IMG. Uh, quite the stir young man and certainly doing the rounds so if I'm not here next week you know it got <laughs> up to the man himself you've been e. Ari golded
0: am... <laughs> you've been Ari e. golded alright Rog well, well alright it, it was fun while it lasted my friend
1: yes yes all things must end take you're care of back. you're going to come back a with trouble. a
0: Nerf gun stuck on your head next week
1: <laughs> Of paint paint spats <laughs> all over you alright mate take care of yourself <laughs> take care take care